Now we're going to reflect on that story of the healing of the royal official's son. Why? Well, you see, it is a theandric act. That is, the part comes from God. Andres part, Andres comes from man. So it's a God-man act, which means what? At the very depth of that action is the action of a divine person in and through a hum- his own humanity. Maximus the Confessor, one of the great fathers of the Church, said, he's discussing um, our Lord's decision in the agony of the garden, and he says, we are saved by the human decision of a divine person. So if our spirits and minds can gaze on this act, the reality of it will touch us, not just the words. Then it's more than a story. It's a mysterion, you see? We're touching the depths of it. Um, Here's just a remark of St. Cyril of Alexandria on that very event. The one command of the Savior heals two souls. In the official, the Savior's command brings about unexpected faith, even as it also rescues the child from bodily death. It is difficult to say which one is healed first. Both, I suppose, are healed simultaneously. The disease is left at the command of the Savior. The official servants meet him and tell him of the healing of the child. This shows at the same time the swiftness of the divine commands and how wisely Christ ordered all of this. They speedily confirmed the hope of their master who was weak in faith. When the official learned that his sick child's recovery coincided exactly with Jesus' command, He is saved with his whole house. He attributes the power of the miracle to the Savior Christ and is brought to firmer faith. Now what did Cyril of of Alexandria do at that point? You see, he penetrated to the heart of the act. He doesn't just read it, oh, that's very nice, and no, that act, that theandric act, reached him, entered his spirit, you see, and... uh, became his possession and therefore could change him, could heal him because it's that act of the Lord Christ, not just the words about it, that come to him. This is fundamentally why the fathers of the church say that the scriptures are different than any other book in the world because they can bring about in you the reality they're talking about. So there's the reality, and particularly the actor of the reality, who is God. Jesus, the Son of God, the Father. And so, it's this, um, this is what I want to talk about a bit, you see. Um, How does this work? Well, look, there is an inner dimension to every human act. I may have given this example before. Let's say we're at a party. And I say to you, did you see that? Smith came in the room. He walked right over to Jones, shook his hand. Jones took Smith's hand in both of his own and smiled back. And you say, okay, so what? Then I say, Smith and Jones have been enemies for 12 years. What did I do then? I opened up the whole interior of that event, right? 
human acts have an interior, a deep one. Now suppose we're at the cross and I say, there is the salvation of the world. What I'm looking at is a suffering man being crucified. That's what I'm looking at. What am I seeing? I'm seeing the theandric act. I'm seeing the inner dimension, the mystery of that human act, which is an act of love done by the Word of God in His own humanity, taking all human race to Himself and bringing it back to the Father in an act of love. That's what's going on there. So you see, until I experience that, I haven't really gotten to the heart of the text. I could describe crucifixions or, you know, and many wonderful things, but I haven't gotten to the heart of the text. Huh? That's why so much of the Bible is storytelling. Because you see, a story presents a human act. Huh? Uh, I may have given this example before, but it's worth it, I think, again. Suppose I tell you, Catherine of Siena was a very zealous young woman. She loved the Lord. She loved everybody. She tried to bring everybody to Christ. She was known for her courage, her kindness, her chastity. She was, you know, you say, thank you very much. I'm glad to know that. That's one kind of knowledge. Now, instead of that, suppose I say, you know, Catherine was in Siena. There was a young man jailed for murder. And he was going to be guillotined in a month or so. So Catherine went every day to the jail to talk to him, to tell him about the Lord and the Lord's love and so on. Well, he started, you know, the guy just said, get out of here, I don't want to hear that stuff. She kept at it anyway. Why? Love. This young man is going to face death soon. He's got to, can't go in this shape. So she kept at it. Finally, she won him over. He repented for his sin. He went to confession. And now he's ready to offer up his life in reparation for the murder he committed. Okay, comes the day of the murder. Guillotines, um, they're like NFL today. You know, there's something everybody wants to watch. So the whole lot of the crowd, not the sensitive people, but the rest, walked along or stood along as this man was being led. And Catherine was walking right alongside of him to strengthen him. Can you imagine the wisecracks? Hey, who's your boyfriend? You like to hang around with murderers? I mean, this is not Sunday school, you know? So he gets there, and he's frightened. So she gets up on the scaffold with him, up on the, where he's going to have, he's going to be decapitated. She gets up there with him. He's still frightened. So she takes her head, his head, and holds it against her breast. And they cut his head off. Now, do you see something different about Catherine because of the story that you don't see from the abstract account? Of course, because somehow, even in my rather poor story, storytelling, it's the act of Catherine that reaches you. Well, now, suppose it's Jesus. It's the act of Jesus, and his words are acts that is meant to reach you. And that happens, you see, because there is that mysterious inner dimension to every human act, but certainly one uh, 
performed by the Son of Man. It's a theandric act. And so, the work of meditating is to allow the Holy Spirit to create that in us. Now, what we say, for instance, at Mass, we always say, well, let us proclaim, we're going to say soon, just the mystery of faith. What is the mystery of faith? Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. That's the mysterion. It's the deep inner dimension of history. And so, that's what uh, the narratives are all about. And so, you can see, um, if we just take the one we pondered, you see, look at Jesus with the eyes of your mind and pray until you can see his action and the healing of that boy and see that it comes as the human act of a divine person. That's what it is. And so you see, the mystery is that. Okay. Now, it's the role of the liturgy. Well, first, if you want, it's the role of the rosary, the mysteries of the rosary. The uh, incarnation, visitation, birth. You see, these are all theandric acts, right? They're all, and to penetrate to their depth, I go back to they were enemies for 12 years, gives you an insight into that you never had before. So, but this kind of insight has to be given by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, when we read the text, we bother the Lord. We just say, I don't get it, Lord. I mean, I could recite the story, but I don't get it. You've got to help me. Holy Spirit, open this up to me so that I am touched by that act by which Jesus healed that official son. That's when the scriptures begin to be scripture. As St. Thomas says, you see, uh, all the other scriptures teach us immediately. All the other, except scriptures, teaches us immediately. There's nothing between us and the reality, except our lack of faith. But I mean, it, or another place where he says, all the other writings uh, heal the mind or enlighten the mind. This one enlightens the soul. Now that's what we pray for. Now, so a mystery, you see, refers to this event in the life of Jesus Christ, okay? Um, now, speaking of these mysteries, because we have, we've just finished, um, well, a little while ago, uh, the whole Easter Pentecost mystery. Mm, you know, with Lent, 90 days of thinking about, with the help of the liturgy, a different reading every day, prayers, you know, ability to get to confession, you know, other prayers, stations of the cross, all for one thing, so that the act of love in which Jesus died will touch us, change us, move us out of sin, give us a human heart, not just a heart of stone, as Ezekiel promised, you see? And so, Dom Columba Marmion, he's blessed now, he's a, he was a friend of Irish abbot of a Belgian house, Maritsu, Benedictine. And now, he has a book called The Mysteries of Christ and His Mysteries, it's called. And I'm going to read these lines because they're so beautiful. For although it is always the same Savior, the same Jesus, pursuing the same work of our sanctification, 
Each mystery of the life of Christ is a fresh manifestation of Christ for us. Each has its own special beauty, its particular splendor, and likewise its own grace. You see, grace. At Easter time, we're meant to rise out of sin and begin to live a holier life. That's why we renew our baptismal vows. And so, the fathers of the church speak more than once of what they call the vis mysterie, the power of the mystery, the virtue and signification of the mystery which is being celebrated. Each of Christ's mysteries, representing a state of his sacred humanity, thus brings us a special participation in his divinity. You see, that's why the scriptures and the liturgy are so intimately connected. When you go to Mass on Sunday, you hear the scriptures. When you go home and try to be in touch with God, one way is to start reading the scriptures and let them have their way. And that way is to impart to you the reality of the act of Jesus, healing the centurion's boy in this case, but whatever. Or, as a blessed Marmion said, you see, it's the vis mysteria, it's the power that can touch you and change you. How do we get there? You don't quit praying no matter what. And you go read the scriptures and beg the Lord. And then you look for work, books, shows, whatever, that will help you enter into this so that you are touched, directly touched by this eternal, eternalized, because it's the work of Christ, act of Jesus. This we will be encountering every time we, we speak about it in this gospel, but I thought it was worth stopping once and expounding what it's all about, what the saints felt, what they knew, and what the liturgy celebrates.